1: Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And
0: the kick is good.
1: We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a
0: touchdown. Taysom Hill to Taysom T. -t 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 -t
1: Welcome to Inside Black and Gold, brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. (laughs) Oh,
2: baby! Hey, y'all. Who dat? And welcome in. My name is Jeff Nowak, and you're listening to Inside Black and Gold, powered by Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And if you are wondering the reason you're only going to hear my voice on this podcast today, it is because Steve Geller is recovering from some minor surgery. Please send him your well wishes. And we also (laughs) had planned to come on here and have a Raiders guest kind of give you the lowdown on what to expect from the Raiders. He got food poisoning. So, you know, (laughs) the universe does not want you to have a ton of information about the Raiders and the universe also wants you to listen to me. And before I go on to anything else. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on any other podcast that allows it, go down and please give us a rating, give us a review. If you haven't subscribed, why not? Come on, hit the subscribe button, hit auto download so you get those on there. We're trying to grow this thing. I think we have a good product here. You know, ideally, not just me talking the entire time, but hey, if people appreciate that, I appreciate that they appreciate that. So just let me know what you think, leave a review, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't, and I'll take that feedback. I'll chew it up, I'll swallow it, and I'll see what comes out the other end. So we're going to get into it on the switch, quote-unquote switch, from Jameis Winston to Andy Dalton as the Saints QB1. We talked to Andy Dalton today, and he went into kind of how all this went down. We're going to get into that. I also want to talk about a question that has been posed to me in several different locations and several different mediums, and I think it's going to be an interesting question to answer over the next several days, and that is, will the Saints be buyers or sellers, at the NFL trade deadline. So let's talk it out. And then finally, what are the three biggest things the Saints need to do to beat the Raiders and get this thing back on track? We're going to get into all of that. I've got a lot of interesting news and notes to throw at you. We're going to also talk about the injury report in this first segment. So let's start right there. There were no major changes from Wednesday to Thursday in the injury report line, aside from Jawan Johnson has been added with a hamstring issue. He was not on the injury report Wednesday. He was added on Thursday. He got in a limited practice, and he's dealing with a hamstring. I don't think it's anything major that you have to be worried about. He was still in the locker room. We saw him moving around. He didn't seem to have an issue, but it's something to watch. The other guy who had a slight change was Ryan Ramchek. He was listed as... The other guy's Ryan Ramchek, who was listed as limited on Wednesday for rest. He was also limited on Thursday with a knee issue. So that's something to watch because as we know, Ryan Ramchek. Had knee a knee issue last year and he had off-season surgery. And you don't know if it's the same knee, but anytime you see knee and you're talking about a guy who's coming back from surgery in the offseason, it's something to pay attention to. He's obviously an anchor along that right side of the offensive line, and you do not want to be without him at all. Beyond that, nothing has really changed. Mike Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Adam Trout, and Marshawn Lattimore all did not participate. It is very unlikely we see any of them in Week 8. But if I had to pick one who was the most likely, it would probably be Adam Troutman just because we saw him kind of push through that injury in week six. So it's not an injury that, you know, is preventing him from playing through it. I still don't think it's likely, but if there was any of these names who to get out there, it'd probably be him. We still see him coming in and out of the locker room. Jarvis Landry, Mike Thomas, nowhere to be found. You know, I have not seen them, and that's not a good sign, you know. You just have to kind of go forward and figure out what you have with the players that are left, right? Marshawn Lattimore is dealing with a significant injury. I don't anticipate that he will be out there. I don't know when we'll see him back. It would not stun me at all if he ends up on injured reserve, but for now you just have to kind of figure out what you have. And we're going to get into the cornerback situation later in the show, but that's going to be a constant question for this team that went into the season thinking, man, We have so much depth and quality in our cornerback room and our safety room has not been the case. Beyond that, here is the list of limited participants in today's practice. You had Andres Pete with a chest injury. The fact that he's out there at all is a good sign. It's an indicator that you hopefully can get him back. Keith Kirkwood with an ankle issue, wide receiver who was re-signed earlier in the week. Paulson Adebo with a knee issue that kept him out. It was an injury that occurred during the win over the Seahawks. And kind of got exacerbated against the Bengals and he wasn't able to go on a short week. So you're hopeful that with 10 days to recover, he'll be out there. He was limited with a knee issue. And as we mentioned, Ramcheck. there is a few other names on here. Peyton Turner is still listed with a chest injury, but he has gotten full practice the last two days. And so that's a good sign that you might get some depth back in that pass rush and maybe get some production out of that first round pick from the 2021 draft. And then Jameis Winston is still listed on the injury report with back and ankle issues, but he has gotten full practice as we talked about and as we're going to get into more. And, you know, I, it's it's a situation that could get awkward. It doesn't seem like it's awkward right now. You know, as you continue on, if you keep losing, things could get weird. One thing that Andy Dalton told us today, and this is something that I kind of hinted at yesterday because it seemed like it was the case. He was not aware that Dennis Allen was going to announce the quarterback decision during that conference call yesterday, right? He was not aware that that was going to happen. So he was unprepared for that. And so I don't think that's so much an issue when you're getting good news, but if he was unaware that Dennis Allen was going to announce that quarterback change the way he did, then that also means Jameis Winston was very likely unaware. And that's not news you want to get through the media. And it's it's tough to say whether this has been a long time coming. Andy Dalton said when he first got in, in week four, the coaches told him, you know, keep playing until we tell you otherwise. And so that's how he's kind of gone about it. That's been his starting job for the last four weeks. And it's still his starting job. But if I'm Jameis Winston, and that's how I found out from a conference call that I wasn't even on, that's not a good look. And, you know, we had a similar situation with Taysom Hill in the offseason. If you remember, if you go back to the, I think it was before the NFL draft combine and you had that interview where Dennis Allen came out and said, Taysom is going to focus more on tight end. Well, that's effectively how he found out that information as well. He told us that. So, you know, I do question some of the decision-making and how you're handling things. And I don't know if that's going to have a larger impact, but, you know, when you're talking about a coach, who who has struggled in his first head coaching stint against the team that's coming in to play you this week. You know, there are reasons beyond just being a football mind that you do not succeed as a head coach, right? Some people fail because they were unable to delegate. Like they tried to do everything. They were too possessive of all these tasks and it just didn't work. You know, some people just don't know how to manage other people, right? Right you don't understand the dynamics of and the interpersonal connections of a locker room and it, and it kind of flies out of control. And that's more than anything else with this team. That's what I think Dennis Allen might not be able to kind of into it. Unlike the guy who was there before him, Sean Payton, I think always had a really good grasp on how things were going in that locker room. I actually saw Sean Payton today. He was wandering around the facility. Not a surprise he was in town earlier in the week. We saw him at the Pelicans game, catching a Foul ball, that's what I call it, uh, in the stands. So he's here, he's in the city. He's not up for a job, if that's what you're wondering. But he was outside the Saints facility today as I was going in. Um, so that's kind of fun to see. But yeah, I mean, you have made your bed with Andy Dalton, and this decision could very well define Dennis Allen's coaching tenure or at least the first year of his coaching tenor- tenure in New Orleans. If this turns out to be the right decision and you turn things around, fantastic, you know. If it crashes and burns, you know, it's tough to say, but I do think, and I think a few people have made this point. It is not a good indicator for Jameis Winston in New Orleans, right? Like it very much feels like Jameis' time has come and gone. He could still get in there, but you know, how does Jameis feel about that? Right? Like it's tough. And you know, this might be Jameis' last go around in the NFL, but we also thought that Andy Dalton kind of was put out to pasture. Right. And so this is what he had to say um about, you know, the offense as it's standing right now.
1: I feel like you know, I'm in a good place with everybody. We feel like we're uh we, we've been in a good rhythm and we've been able to, you know, do some do some good things that I was talking about earlier. So I f- I feel like we're we're in a good place. And he's not wrong.
2: I mean, this offense has been averaging thirty points a game, right? Like it's hard to disagree with the decision in terms of okay. With Andy in there, you know what it's going to be. There is only one variable, and that is how Andy plays. And you have seen it for the last four weeks, and you feel comfortable with how he's running the offense and how he's moving the ball. Whether you think Jameis is going to be an upgrade or not, it is a variable that is now added to the equation if you put him in there. And I think from Dennis Allen's perspective, he wants to eliminate as many variables as he can because he wants to focus on improving the defense. And he's not wrong. The defense needs to get better, or it does not matter who the quarterback is. So from that perspective, I'm on board with that, right? I, I still think it should be Jameis, but I get it because a defensive head coach wants to focus on the defense. So he's making sure that he hits a benchmark on offense, and then he can dive headlong into the defense, knowing that if he can get that sorted out, this team can start winning some games. And it's about finding a formula to win games. Now, the interesting answer to me was when Andy was asked about, you know, is this, kind of a one and done here right like is this something where the saints could be invested in you for for multiple seasons and it very much sounds like that's what he is hoping for
1: yeah i mean absolutely i think that's one thing for i mean when you're in this position um you know the biggest thing you can ask for is an opportunity and you know fortunately i i have one here and so um i 'm not focused on what this could mean and what it what could go on um, that 's all going to take care of itself whenever that time comes. You know, I think one thing that i've i 've learned and um, You know, I I lean on my faith in a a, a lot of different uh, – in every aspect of my life. But, you know, for one thing that I've learned is, like, don't worry about the future right now. You just worry about where you're at. God's placed me here in New Orleans right now for this time, and I'm just trying to enjoy this moment and and be present where I'm at. And so uh, I think that's the, the biggest takeaway that I've had and biggest thing that I'm learning through all of this is, you know, God's got me. And right now, just be where you are and enjoy the moment. And I think that's where, if
2: you're a Saints fan, you just have to get on board with it, right? Like, I get it. You might not, things might not be going the way you would be managing them, but that's almost always the case, right? Like, at a certain point as a fan, you just got to say, well, you know, let's get weird, right? You know, if you want a comparison, the guy to look at is Kurt Warner, right? You know, this was a guy who was kind of put out to pasture by the Rams in the early 2000s. He spent one year on the Giants. If you remember, Kurt Warner was the guy who started before the Giants went to Eli Manning. Kurt Warner was the sacrificial lamb to start that season. He was the bridge quarterback. And then they turned to Eli and sent Kurt Warner packing. Well, believe you me, he was not done. He went out to Arizona and he eventually went to a Super Bowl with that Cardinals team. That was a Larry Fitzgerald just supernova season. You also had James Harrison returning a, an interception 99 yards for a touchdown right before halftime. It was one of the wildest Super Bowls I can remember. You know, Santonio Holmes catching that touchdown uh, right at the end of the game. And, you know, why not Andy, I guess, is, is how you should approach this. Because that's what, if you are the Saints, you are hoping that you can get. You have a veteran quarterback who understands how to win games, he understands how to run an offense. He can get the job done in a way that allows you to go win. It hasn't happened yet this season. That is the biggest criticism. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, if he's playing well enough to win games, why aren't you winning games? And if I, that's why if I'm Dennis Allen I'm, and I can't figure out this defense, fire me. Because that is what you're here to do. When you look at Andy Dalton, zero turnover machine. This man cannot turn the ball over. If he's going to remain the starting quarterback, because while they have an averaging 30 points in a game, in the last four starts, that's not sustainable. I, you don't need 30 points in a game from the Andy Dalton offense to win. As long as the defense is doing its job and you're putting them in good position. So he needs to not turn the ball over and the saints need to be efficient in the red zone. Right. And I don't care if it's Taysom Hill. I don't care if it's Andy Dalton. You need to be efficient in the red zone to find a way to get Alvin Kamara in the end zone too you know I don't think that that is sitting well with him he'll say the right things but I guarantee you that he is annoyed when he looks at his his stats and he sees zero touchdowns because he knows he's playing better than that and so you know here's what here's what Andy had to say about kind of the red zone situation
1: uh yeah I mean I think when you're down there you've got to be efficient on first and second down I think if you look at the drives that we haven't scored touchdowns you would say you're in a third and long situation down there and so I think that's the the biggest thing that that we need to be really effective on first and second down to give us an opportunity or scoring for second down. You know, that that helps too. Uh so I I think that's that's the biggest thing is I mean when you're third and longer situations in the red zone it could be tough.
2: Yes, and that that is what you need to avoid. This is what Andy Dalton needs to do. He cannot turn the ball over. He needs to keep you ahead of the chains especially in the red zone. And he needs to get Alvin Kamara involved. Taysom Hill is going to be heavily involved. And this is the offense that you are sticking with for the remainder of the season. Okay. If it works great. If it doesn't, this is a gaff, right? And And the problem is you don't have any, any margin left to lean on if it doesn't work. So I think this is kind of the last gasp of this season. And you know, maybe maybe Andy Dalton has that Kurt Warner-like run in him. Who knows? One way or another, we're going to see it play out. You're listening to Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak. WWL Digital Sports Producer. this podcast is brought to you by Mark Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And we're going to come back and answer a question that I know is bugging a lot of people. Will the Saints be buyers or sellers at the NFL trade deadline? Stick around. Powered by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And as we told you previously, this segment is going to be very specific. It's going to be very specific. It's going to be about something that might make you feel a little queasy, regardless if you are a Saints fan. And that is, will the Saints be buyers or sellers at the NFL trade deadline? And I'll tell you what I think right off the bat. And that is, I don't know, (laughs) but I will say that I don't think there is a scenario where the Saints should in any way consider themselves to be buyers, because in order to be a buyer at the trade deadline, you need to believe that you can win a Super Bowl. You are not a buyer at the trade deadline if you are desperately trying to make the playoffs, right? That is not when you become a buyer. You become a buyer when you know you're a playoff team and you think you're maybe one or two pieces away from winning a Super Bowl, not from getting to the playoffs, from winning a Super Bowl. If you are a buyer to try to elevate your team from middle of the pack to the fringe of the playoffs, then you are going to be bad for a long time. So keep that in mind. Now, when I say I don't know whether they will be a buyer or seller, what I mean by that is I don't know whether they will be a seller or whether they will be a let's see what happens. Because I think let's see what happens is a very reasonable place to be with this team, with this roster. You know, we had a podcast recently where I told you kind of the argument for why you might consider trading Alvin Kamara. You know, there was a report the Eagles called about him. And I think that would be funny. And if I'm Mickey Loomis and the Eagles are calling me about Alvin Kamara, I'm like, okay, send us our first round pick back. (laughs) And he's yours. (laughs) Because if you send out Alvin Kamara, you're going in the tank. And the only way you go in the tank is if you have your own first round pick. Otherwise it doesn't benefit you. So I think that would be kind of a fun way to bookend this really obnoxious trade that is playing out with the Eagles. But yeah, I... I don't think that you're going to trade Alvin Kamara, right? Like, like I said a few episodes ago, you know, I think there are good reasons to consider it. But if I'm predicting what happens, I think this team really wants to take advantage of the NFC South being weak and getting to the playoffs. And for that reason, I don't think that they are going to start shipping out assets. I think that it's more likely that they, you know, if someone just gets given away, right? Like if someone ends up on waivers, you know, if you look at Janoris Jenkins a few years back, that's the type of addition I could see them making, but I do not see them leveraging even more draft assets to add a player or two. Because I think this team knows, it knows it has the pieces to compete, right? You are two and five. If you win this week, you are three and five. That's how the math works. And you remain at worst one game out of the division lead. There is a scenario where all four NFC South teams end up three and five. By the time this podcast posts, that scenario will either be alive or dead because the Bucs and the Ravens play on Thursday Night Football, and they are the team that if anyone's going to figure this thing out, that's the team you worry about. So you should definitely be rooting for the Bucs to continue their quick fall to the bottom because a loss to the Panthers, as the Saints found out, is about as rock bottom as you can get. And that's what happened to the Bucs last week. The Falcons are intriguing to me. They are a team that I think has interesting weapons. I don't know if they have enough of them. I don't know if Marcus Mariota can get it done, but he has turned out to be a good free agent signing for Arthur Smith. He fits what they want to do, and he's operating that offense well. So if there's a team that I'm worried about, it's the Falcons kind of winning three or four games in a row – and finding themselves a game up on the Saints at the end of the season. The good news for the Saints is they do own the first half of that tiebreaker. So if it comes down to that and there's a tie, they could be ahead of them, assuming they finish it off with the win at home. So one of the things I didn't talk about when we kind of went through that Alvin Kamara bit last week was, you know, it does become difficult. And I had a few people point this out to me on Twitter, and I and I agree with you. I didn't think it was worth getting into all the cap shenanigans during that segment, but it is correct. It will be difficult to trade a guy like Alvin Kamara, David Onyemata, Cam Jordan, etc., and not be not because the other teams won't want them. It's because the dead cap hit you will receive is significant. It is a big number for a lot of these players, and the way the Saints have managed their cap has been by taking advantage of the simple restructures, right? They are going to go into the off season with in $56 million in the hole against the salary cap. Now that's actually lower than it has been in recent seasons. So they are kind of working their way back to even, but if you trade off a guy like Alvin Kamara, a guy like Cam Jordan, you lose that simple restructure. So you're not only eating the dead cap, you are losing the flexibility. And so you're going to have to continue to go down the line, down the line, down the line, and restructure and restructure and restructure. And I know that's what the saints want to avoid. They would much rather get it done with as few restructures as possible so that you can continue to kind of push back toward even money. So that's where I think you kind of hit a stumbling block of You're trying to continue these three-year cycles with the restructuring, and you don't want to set yourself back to get another fifth or a sixth-round pick, right? The the, the assets would have to make sense. You were not just going to go on a fire sale because you also know that you do have a chance at this division. Now, if you fall to two and six and you just look bad doing it, and the Raiders come in and just blow you off the field, they blow the doors off, the Saints can't stop anybody, they miss more tackles, they can't get it done, then, yeah, I think you very much consider blowing this thing up, and completely. And I think you very much consider whether Dennis Allen is still your head coach. But for now, I do not think the Saints are going to be sellers at the deadline. Now, the deadline is November 1st, right? So you don't have a lot of time to weigh your options after the Week 8 games you kind of have to make that decision now or never. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you're, 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 you're on the, you're on a ledge, right? You're, you're, you're just trying to figure it out. Uh, so it's just something to, to pay attention to. I don't think you're going to see a lot of movement. This is every year we get to the trade deadline. There's aren't that many players moved at the deadline, right? It's just not, it's not the same as the NBA, major league baseball, it's much more difficult to commit to a trade in the NFL than it is in other leagues because it's so complex. What you're trying to switch players aren't always fits in other schemes. You really want to know the player that you're bringing in and it's tough, you know, quarterback trades rarely happen. You know, it's, it's very difficult to learn a new system as a quarterback mid season. You know, like it's, it's very much like learning a new language, um, you know, a lot of times you'll see defensive backs moved, sometimes wide receivers, you know, the skill positions are a little easier because, you know, like Robbie Anderson, you know, he's, he can be a quick study in the Cardinals offense. Cause it's like, okay, yeah, run straight and fast and we're going to throw it there. You know, that's a little bit easier. Christian McCaffrey, for example, Kadarius, Tony got traded from the giants to the chiefs, right? You know, there's been a few other pieces moved. So those are the type of trades where you look at and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe you could see one of these going down but I you know as much as I'd like the Saints to be proactive in bringing in assets I just don't think that Mickey Loomis has rebuilt in his vocabulary and I think that you're going to continue to see them try to win with this group as it's constructed and I think more than anything else that's why you were going with Andy Dolan because you want to be consistent into the playoffs if they were considering carrying it down if they were on the edge of tearing it down, I think you would be going with Jameis Winston because you would want to see what you have at the top end there because you're probably not going to win this season anyway. Starting Andy Dalton, to me, is an indicator that this team is trying to win right now. And so that's that's kind of where I land on all that. Again, you're listening to Inside Black and Gold. My name's Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports producer, and we're going to be coming at you with one more segment, and that is the three things the Saints need to do to defeat the Raiders in Week 8 of the NFL football season Let's get in. Bring it back around with one more segment here on Inside Black and Gold. Brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. My name is Jeff Noah, WWL Digital Sports Producer. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Mash the rate, review, subscribe, whatever you gotta do, get it done. And we'll keep bringing these to you each and every week. And so as as promised, we're going to go through the three things the Saints need to do to beat the Raiders. And there's a lot of things they can do. There's a lot of things they have done wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say, don't turn the ball over. We all know that, right? We're not going to sit here and say force turnovers. We all know that. But what I am going to say is you need to find a way to slow down Josh freaking Jacobs. This is not a confusing run game to go against. He's going to be in your grill. He is trying to run through you. You are not going to be dealing with crack toss plays. You are not going to be dealing with a lot of complicated schemes. You are going to be dealing with a one cut downhill runner and the saints need to buck up and make tackles, right? This is a team that is supposed to be physical. This is a team that is supposed to be intimidating and they have been anything but over the first seven weeks of the season. You did not expect tackling to be the biggest issue that this team has to encounter, but it is. It really is. And we asked Chris Bouchard about that today. And, you know, while I think the front seven has a lot to do with that, a lot of his tackles have come in the secondary. And so we asked, you know, what goes into that? How do you fix that? And he says, more than anything else, it's a mindset.
3: Poise at the point of attack, right? Like no one goes out there and wants to miss but it's really about mindset. Because if we get to the moment of truth and our thought process is, don't miss. Well, what'd you just tell yourself? I hear myself say, don't miss. Well, I hear miss, right? So it's about being poised at the moment, right? And then let that self-talk be, make it. Make this, make this. Because these are the thousands of reps that we've taken out here in practice every every single day. Again, the drill and things of that nature is just in the moment, in the heat of the moment, we can't allow that moment to kind of outweigh what we drill and how we do it and just stay in truth. And that's really what it is. So when you get to that moment of truth, stay poised, speak to yourself, make it.
2: Make it. That's what Chris Richard said. And you know, Chris Richard, it's he's a platitudes guy, right? Like he he's he's not always gonna give you a lot of the X's and O's type breakdowns. He's gonna talk to you about mindset and personality. And so you gotta take what you get. But I do think that he is correct in that assessment. It's like missing tackles at a point, it's beyond a talent issue. It's beyond an effort issue. It is, you know, you just got to stand there and do your job. And so that's what these players have to figure out. You know, everyone on this roster can tackle. You just got to go out and do it. You know, and Josh Jacobs, third in the NFL in rushing and he has done it on a very reasonable number of carries got 111 carries for perspective. The two guys ahead of him have 126 and 143 carries. He's got six touchdowns, but he only has three runs of 20 plus yards. He's being very efficient on these pounding four plus yard runs that set you up with good down and distance so that you can convert, right? So the saints need to do whatever they need to do to, slow him down, stack the box. I get it. It's going to make life easier on Derek Carr, stack the freaking box, stop Josh Jacobs. And if you can do that, then you have a chance to slow this team down. I'm not worried about that one hit, the the shot plays over the top, right? If they hit those, they hit those, but you cannot have the ball run down your throat. And that's more than anything else. What lost the game for the saints on the defensive in week seven, right? I'm not going to give Andy Dalton a pass for the two pick sixes. The offense did their job in making sure they lost the game. But on the defensive side of the ball, it was the inability to to stop, to stand up, to stonewall at the line of scrimmage so that they weren't averaging four and a half yards on first down. So that's what you need to do. That is key number one. Key number two, out physical the receivers. Right? And, And it's easier said than done because as we mentioned in this, at the top of the show, you are not expecting to have Marshawn Lattimore there. And if he's not there, you are relying on Awante Taylor and mystery cornerback number two. Now, you're hopeful that Paul Sinadibo can get out there. You are hopeful that he can get out there, but it is not a guarantee. He's been limited in practice. He's dealing with a knee issue. Even if he does play, you don't know if he's going to be 100%, but... What you can say for both of those guys is they're very physical corners. I would hope that Chris Harris gets signed to the active roster so you can put him in the slot. And that's because he is tried and true a slot cornerback, even in his prime. He is not an outside cornerback. He is a slot corner. So the second he has to go outside, you know, that's going to be trouble. He was targeted six times against the Cardinals. He allowed four catches and he was flagged two other times. So... You do not want to see him on the outside. So you have to be very hopeful that Paul Snodibo and Alante Taylor get out there. And if they do, you feel pretty good about it, assuming they get through the game. And that's, it's a big if these days, but if they can get through the game, you feel pretty good about it because everyone, but Alante Taylor will tell you he had an excellent game. Here's what Chris Rashard had to say on the rookie's debut start in Arizona.
3: It was a positive, positive, positive experience, um, for him, you know, for the, for the, for the entire organization, um good to get him back out there and healthy and uh and just watch him compete uh he's he's an ultra competitor um loved his technique um again uh had a missed tackle out there right that we want we want better but um but yeah he's got he's got great confidence uh real real good
2: boost for our team what really stood out to me about that answer was you know you love his technique and for for a coordinators say that about a rookie is telling you know he is very much beyond the curve of what you'd expect for a rookie at this stage and he showed it he went up against DeAndre Hopkins and I, that's what I asked Elante about is like so that technique it's more like you know you can line up against anybody it does not matter whether it's DeAndre Hopkins it does not matter if it's Darren Waller it does not matter if it is Julio Jones whatever If your technique is sound, you feel good about your matchup, regardless of who it is. Put a body there, and you're going to do your job, and you're going to do it right. And that's what Alante is focused on. And it's impressive to hear him talk about that because, you know, I don't think that's that's necessarily the approach that a lot of young cornerbacks would take. Um, But you know, if you ask Alante, he would tell you that his his debut was not as stellar as everyone else seems to think. Uh, here's what he had to say.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I'm kind of hard on myself. Uh, so overall, I ended up giving myself a C minus, uh, just because I had those those two missed tackles, which were crucial in the game, um, and then that that one catch given up. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's just my first start, uh, my first NFL game. So looking to looking to improve for sure.
2: The C minus. <laughs> Gets targeted five times, allows one catch for 17 yards, misses a tackle. C minus. Um, you know, for him to give himself an A, he might, he's going to have to win a game by himself, I think. But, you know, it's good. Like, you should be your harshest critic. You shouldn't be comfortable with how you perform every week if you weren't perfect, right? And even if you are perfect, you're still going to want to try to be better. So I think that's a an impressive mindset for a rookie. And what he and Paulson Adebo need to be able to do is hold up in man-to-man coverage so that you do not have to play these soft zones. Like The whole basis of this defense for the Saints is to load up against the run, stop it, and then hold up in man-to-man coverage on the outside. You can play two-man, you can play two-deep. You do have Marcus May and Tyron Matthew back there. At least you were kind of getting a few games under the hood with both starting safeties. And I think that has been very limiting for this defense to start the season. Hopefully they can find a way because this this Raiders offense is not a slouch, right? They are ranked in the top five in scoring and top five in yardage, just like the saints are. No one wants to say the word COVID anymore. So who knows, but there were four Raiders players who were out on Wednesday with an illness. Um, and there was two that were out on Thursday. One of them is Devonte Adams. So you don't know whether he's going to be back in time. You don't know what status he's going to be. If he's going to be limited by whatever illness he has, but that's something they keep an eye on. Okay. The final thing the Saints desperately need to do to make sure they beat the Raiders, convert in the red zone, score touchdowns when they are available to you. Now, I love Will Lutz as much as anybody. He should not be on the field to kick anything less than like a 48 yarder, right? If you are inside, I don't even consider the red zone to be inside the 20. I consider the red zone to be on the Raiders' side of the field, because you need to be able to convert in those situations. You do not want to have to ask Andy Dalton to come back, to come from behind. You want to pin your defense to a lead and let them go defend it. And they haven't done that well. But that's how you get to a winning formula, is you start doing that, is you start putting yourself in good positions, you stop making stupid mistakes. And if the Saints can do that, I think they can turn this thing around. And whether that starts this week, whether that starts next week, I don't know. But... I can tell you this team does believe it can turn this around and I don't think they're going to settle for anything less. And they know how fortunate they are to be, you know, within shouting distance of that, of that top spot. One last thing I'll give you before, before we go is, you know, Dennis Allen is facing his former team. Alvin Kamara didn't even know that on Wednesday when we talked to him, he wasn't even aware of it. And so if you're wondering whether, Dennis Allen is fired up about this. It's not a revenge game for him. You know, maybe there's a little more added incentive, but it is not a revenge game narrative going on in that locker room. And Chris Richard, I thought, did a good job of uh, summing that up today.
3: Another day at the office. It it, it really is, right? Because it's it's never about any other particular place, right? It's like it's always just going to be about where you are and the people that you're doing it with. And that's where the magic is made. And again, the second that you become distracted by where I used to be, or it's a grudge or anything of that nature, again, you've got heart issues, right? Like, they're not even thinking about you, so why are you thinking about it?
2: Exactly. The Raiders don't give an F about you. So if you spend any more time than you have to thinking about them, you're making a mistake. And if you're Dennis Allen, (laughs) the greatest gift you could have is going out and just beating this team in the most boring way possible and instilling confidence that this team can Turn this around. And it's got to start this week. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us on this edition of Inside Black and Gold. Again, send your well wishes to Steve, who's recovering from some minor surgery. Should be back for the post-game episode coming at you on Sunday. As always, I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Producer. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Thanks for everyone who listened. Thanks for everyone who hits me up on Twitter. Continue to do that it's at Jeff underscore Nowak. Let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you think. And I'll do my best to bring it to you. All right, guys. Peace.